0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff.
0: Welcome to The Career Confidant. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you were listening into the show last week, you know that you're in for a special treat. This is your host for The Career Confidant, Marie Zimenoff. And you know that this show is here to help you moving forward in your career and today's non-ladderless career world, right? You've got to decide it for yourself, be in charge of it for yourself, and and we're here to give you the tools to be able to do that. Very interesting, a totally different idea around that topic. Today we're going to be talking about franchising, and I had the benefit of meeting Stephen Hogan, who's joining us today on the show, and Stephen brings an interesting background to this world. So he's been in the franchising business for a long time, and he's been through all different aspects of it. He's been an owner of a franchise, he's been an investor, he's been an operator, and now he helps other individuals figure out if they want to be in franchising and what type of franchise would be the f- best fit for them. So a very different type of approach when you're thinking about your career and what might be the best way for you to move forward in your career. Maybe you've never thought about franchising, but Stephen's here today to 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 tell us about that. So, Stephen, thank you for joining us.
2: You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Marie. It's really an honor.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're so glad to have you here and to be able to share your wisdom with, with the group, and we know that they're all going to get great value from hearing what you have to say so share with me you know the um, what your group does is help people figure out if a franchise is right for them so tell me a little bit about what tools or education does someone need to become a franchisee or a franchisor or whatever the right word is tell me what the right word is and then tell me what that is
2: Well, we use the term Z's and Z'ors. Um, a franchisee would be somebody who wants to become part of the organization. And then the organization or the mothership, as I call it, would be the franchisor. Um, so the approach that we take is a little bit of a reverse engineering. Um, it's kind of what do you want to be when you grow up? And we ask people, Marie, to define what their life should look like if they had the perfect business or career and then we work backwards from that. So we ask them to find out what their budget is, how much money they want to make, what their risk tolerance is, um, how their family would feel, uh, would fit into this quality of life, whether passion and conviction is a big factor. And then we do a very extensive um, interview, what we call a profile, and it's based on 30 characteristics And after we do this elaborate uh, evaluation, it becomes kind of like e-harmony for uh, for franchising. Now that we know who you are and what you're made of, then we go up to our inventory of 100 pre-selected franchises that we very much vetted. And out of that 100, I try and come up with three that would meet that person's aspirations, their personality, their risk tolerance, and their budget. And then the fun begins, and we get to investigate and become learners and students about franchising. And I work with them as kind of their coach. And the good news is it's not a sales process. It's a free service. So the only intent is to find out what's best for that individual. And people in career transition, sometimes just eliminating that being an entrepreneur or a franchise isn't for them is a huge benefit. And if it is... Then they decide whether they want to go solo on their own or whether the franchise would be the right fit for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you and I talked briefly and I said, you know, I especially in 2008 or 2009, I saw a bunch of job seekers getting talked into becoming financial advisors and some of those mm-hmm. things that were quite devastating just because it was not a good fit for them and mm-hmm. the the organization wasn't helping them really figure that out. They just wanted them to get a few clients and if they didn't make it it I mean, you know, I'm sure they wouldn't have said that, but it really didn't matter, right? Because now that organization got those assets. And so I like what you're talking about because it is much more of a, is it a good fit for you process?
2: Well, and you know, Marie, there's 3,500 franchises. And in my 28 years, there are a lot of them. If you can fog a mirror and walk upright and write a check, they'll try and emotionally sell you a deal, That's why we work with this group of 100, and they have the attitude of awarding franchises not selling, so it's going to feel much more like an executive interview where they're trying to make sure that the person's the right fit for them as much as the individual trying to make sure that the culture and the brand and the return on investment is a good fit for them also.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so tell me a little bit more about these 30 characteristics. What have you found is important in people's personalities in terms of being a franchise owner or not? If someone's sitting at home and they're thinking about it, is there a few key things you could say to them that might steer them in one direction or another?
2: Um, Yeah, if I could make an analogy... um, I I look at people when I think about whether they should be employed, how they should be employed. I call it Clydesdales, Thoroughbreds, and um, Mustangs. The Clydesdale personality is, that's a wonderful horse, very powerful, loves to get hooked up up to the wagon, go back and forth between the barn and the farm. These are people that should keep a job. They're looking for security. They're very low risk. They want to show up and get paid. Then we have the mustang, the person that's high-level, entrepreneurial spirit, maybe more people that you might be dealing with, that doesn't want to follow the rules. They want to create their own vision. And the thoroughbred, and that's the franchisee personality, they like structure. They like to cooperate, just like the thoroughbred wants a jockey. Their only goal is to win and to execute. So people that are project managers... People that have military background, people who have this balance between solving problems and being innovative, but their whole focus is on execution before innovation. So right there is a key about somebody that's a franchisee. Um, Somebody with a military background, they know that when they go into the battle, they have a plan, they have to follow structure, and then all chaos breaks loose and they have to figure things out. That's a great quality of a franchisee systems and innovation implement first, innovate second, so that's number one characteristic. Um, do you want me to go on, or did you have a comment on that?
0: Oh no, that's very interesting because I would um that's just very good for people to know about themselves, right? I'm definitely the mustang I love to innovate. I dealt with structure maybe too much in my university life, and so the idea of someone else telling me how to run the business doesn't, doesn't really work that well for me, but I work with a lot of people who that structure is very good for, and they do want to innovate, but they can execute and, like you said, win before they have to do that, whereas I would probably get bored. I want to do the innovation first.
2: <laughs> well, and, you know, there's another characteristic. These are a little more esoteric. It's passion versus uh, conviction. I've had people come to me and say, gee, when I grew up my dad made my grandpa made donuts and I really love the smell of donuts and I've gotta own a bakery. They have to have a passion and a love for the business. And then I meet people like I, I helped an individual get into a dumpster franchise and he didn't wake up and say, Gee, I love to look at dumpsters and smell watch seagulls fly around the landfill But he had a conviction about running a great business that was scalable, that had tangible assets, and had one of the most important things, I think, of success, repeat business that people needed it rather than what people wanted. So That's another characteristic of franchisees. They have a conviction about business. But they're not necessarily in love with the fact that they own a plumbing business or a painting business or dog washing or yoga or, or you know, educating kids. It's the business that they have their passion about. Does that make sense?
0: It does, and I and I like that it could it could be either or, right? Like your guy that had mm-hmm. the donut shop, he could be successful. But I would talk to a lot of people that say, you know, well, my passion is X or Y, and I don't want to do that for work, or maybe I don't have a passion. And honestly, Stephen, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Not everybody has some overt passion that they could tell you right off their head what it is. And so if you're out there and you're listening and you're thinking about that, I love Stephen's word of conviction. And if you have a conviction to an ideal or to a, a type of business or to a certain type of how you decide, des, decide success looks, all of those ca- things can be just as motivating for success versus a passion.
2: You know, then you asked me about these characteristics some people go into this to Marie because they want to buy a job, and that's not a bad deal. They're an owner operator, they tend to be a hands on individual. They tend to be a little more task oriented, but they don't they want something that they can build, they can direct, and it's more of a lifestyle business. Then we see people who want to own a business and they want to manage managers. Um, you know whatever the product is, they're familiar with the product or the service. They do that for six months, but they really don't want to be in the trenches. They want their people running the business, and those are the people that would have maybe one or two locations or one or two territories, and that's probably the vast majority. In an area that most people aren't aware of, is one thing we call an empire builder or an area developer. This would be somebody who's been an investor, a C-level type individual, and they want to build a large region, and the franchisors then would award them maybe all of Colorado, and their goal would be to open up maybe 25 offices, so they almost work as the local branch of the franchise, and the cool thing about that investment is there's a residual. They receive part of the franchise fee. They've received part of the royalty, and so they build a large organization, and these are kind of your visionaries that end up owning maybe 25 great clips or 10 pro-martial arts, and so that's kind of the three levels of franchising, owner-operator, individual that's kind of the CEO of his area, and then the what I call the empire builder.
0: Yeah, and I you probably know Jay Fable here in Fort Collins. He owns a lot of the Pizza Huts, and has bought some Pizza or not Pizza Huts. Oh, he would kill me! Dominoes, <laughs> yeah, Dominoes. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And he I w- he was a good example of that empire builder. He's got many stores. He's a well known leader within the Dominoes franchise, and and um, well known for developing his people and developing his stores. And that's definitely an op- option opportunity. For people as you said that have that capital and that kind of ceo level vision leadership ability so we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back here talking with Stephen more about franchising and how you could become a franchisee we'll be right back in just a few minutes
1: Visit getcareersmart.com to find out more. That's getcareersmart.com or call 800 521 2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more, old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Marie at strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant.
0: Welcome back to The Career Confidant and today we are talking with Stephen Hogan from FranNet and he's been sharing some of the key things to think about if you are interested in becoming a franchisee. First, he educated us on what franchisee means and that that means you're buying into the franchise. And then we talked a little bit about the different types of people and the most successful one at franchising being those that, that he shared are like thoroughbreds. They like the structure. They want to execute, solve problems and innovate where needed, but really like that idea of taking a business and making it their, their job and or taking a franchise and, and becoming a leader within it, either regionally or in the area. And so, Stephen, as you're talking, I get that it could be bigger, but a franchise really is just owning a, a local business. Is that right?
2: You know, that's a really important point. I think people view franchising as burgers, fries, and a million dollars, And really, it's local entrepreneurs that just want to take somebody else's proven method, model, marketing, and operations, and execute it. And so they are local entrepreneurs. Uh, Imagine if you drove down the street of, the main street of Loveland or Fort Collins or Longmont, you'd probably pass 30 or 40 franchises and just not recognize it because they aren't always food. There are all kinds yeah. of different things that are um that people operate, Marie
0: okay, and since you brought it up here, can you give me a range of the investment that someone would have to make to get into any of those types of franchises what's what's the you know down payment or yeah. wh- however you say it?
2: Well, you know it kind of breaks into four categories. this might help everybody. Um, if you're looking for simple retail where you've got a building, you're probably looking at one hundred and fifty thousand to three hundred thousand dollars. If you're looking at uh, retail like a Batteries Plus that has inventory, or a Menchie's, or you know anything with food, you're probably looking at two hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand. So the retail with the location is very is a bigger investment. Now, the service-based businesses, very affordable. Uh, a business-to-consumer service-based business might be 75000 to $125,000 all in. And then a, a business that's service-based mobile with what we call chuck in a truck or a man in a van, where it serves businesses, is a little bit more expensive, probably 100000 to 200000 Um, Our records show the average that people invest in a franchise across all the boards about one hundred and fifty-one thousand dollars total all in, and typically of that, thirty to forty percent is cash, and uh, sixty to seventy percent is borrowed through various funding um, uh, vehicles that people can take access to. So it's not an all cash deal.
0: Okay, good, good. So. Let's talk about, you, talk, you said some of the things essential for success. What are some of the reasons that people fail at franchising? Oh, uh,
2: That's my, um, you know, I was the director of operations and training for 15 years. I trained um, 850 people that ran about 400 franchises, and then me and my team went out and supported them. Um, I think there's three or four characteristics consistent with people that don't fail. Uh, The first one's really funny. Everybody who gets into franchising swears up and down they will follow the system to the T. Guess what everybody did for the first six to nine months when they bought a franchise? They will not follow the system to a T. They make slight, imperceptible variations and changes in the business plan, and ultimately that harms them. So if you buy a franchise, you need to be committed to following, to believing in the system, and then following it. Um, The second is really critical, is marketing and being able to have clients' acquisition. So if the if the franchise requires that you do direct mail, you need to do that advertising and have an appropriate budget and a commitment to your marketing. Uh, and the marketing is like growing grass from seed. You plant it, you fertilize it, and you water, and you go out the next day and there's no grass. And you water and water and water, and it takes weeks of watering for the grass to sprout. In running any business, in franchising you have to be committed to your sales and marketing for a long period of time and that goes to the third point is having sufficient capital to carry you until the business gets to cash flow and to break even so if the franchisor tells you it takes 12 months and you only have nine months of capital you should not get into that business you should always have that capital uh, plus some reserves And then the third part is the intangible, is the ability to deal with the unknown. Um, I've seen this over and over again, is um, people let fear and uh, the unknown uh, scare them, and they they stop because they become fearful. So I would say those are the, the, the four reasons why people fail at franchising
0: interesting and so that well, I love the marketing one because I talk to people about that all the time they're like well what did that you know specific marketing thing do or what did that specific marketing thing do and although I you know I agree we should track and know some numbers that this marketing you really can't always say this came from that this came from that and you have to be willing to spend some money to make some money right
2: well, and this is where we do this evaluation and matching. If somebody's an engineer or an accountant or uh, uh, an IT guy, they should never get into a business that requires that they go out and walk into businesses and make pitches and be comfortable. You know, I don't want to call um, doing informational visits. If you can't sell, you need a retail location or a franchise that has a great marketing, um, like Budget Blinds and CertiPro, they are very name brands, they do a phenomenal job at advertising and getting the phone to ring. Many people, I'd say 90%, want the phone to ring or the customer to initiate the contact, and then they're okay. Um, On the other hand, if you're great at sales and you're comfortable with that, you can lower your investment and you could own a service-based business because you're okay going to a networking group and standing up at B&I and talking or going in in front of executives and making a presentation. So we do a sales analysis of your sales skill or lack thereof, and we'll only match people with sales skills with sales-oriented franchises or retail with people that couldn't sell their way out of a paper bag.
0: Well, and that's a good thing to know too, that you don't have to be a salesman to do a franchise because I think that that's another misconception that I hear people say, you know, well, I don't want to sell anything, so I can't own a franchise. And what I hear you saying is, one, you get to be the manager. You don't have to be the operator. That's only one way to be a a franchisee. And then part of the Thing is that you could have a franchise that even if you are the operator, it doesn't necessarily require you to sell the way that most people think about selling.
2: That is probably the biggest misnomer is, you know, does it need driven? Is it want driven? Do you need to go outbound and network and market? Do you enjoy that? Or do you want people to come to you and say, I want it, I need it? And that's really an essential part about matching. And it really goes back to the, the ultimate question, Marie, That everybody should ask when they're looking at any business is, can I see myself doing this? The key is, you don't ask that at the start of the process. You ask that after you're educated, you're informed, and you've really done your due diligence, then you can stand back and say, okay, I know everything about it. Now, can I see myself doing it? And a lot of the time, the answer should be no, and if that's the case, then we've done our job, and that person says, you know what, I need to get a job. Owning a business or a franchise isn't for me. If they can answer yes, then they're ready to go forward.
0: Now, you do have people that are getting into franchises while they have their little J-O-B. So tell me a little bit about, do someone have to leave their job to own a franchise?
2: No, that's probably the new phenomena that I've seen is there's people that say, look, I like, I like my job, but it's really not going to give me my path to retirement. Can I own a semi-absentee operation where I work at it 10 to 12 hours a week and have a full-time manager? And the answer is absolutely yes. And then we have people now that are doing something that's called a rebound or Um, an encore career where they have retired and they go, you know what, I am bored out of my mind, I hate retirement, my spouse is going to divorce me and they're looking for something that they can own without it consuming their life, where they can control their schedule and their quality of life factors.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I'm sure it's um, more challenging and it looks different, but that doesn't necessarily mean it can't be done.
2: No, you know, typically the businesses are a little bit more, um, under the radar. They're more of those, the demand driven businesses, so that they're not glamorous and sexy and you won't see them in the, in the newspaper as this is the hot new thing. Because when people need it, the service is more predictable. And for people that want the absentee and the encore career, typically they want to make a difference and they're looking for something that's very predictable and low risk.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's just so fun that you can help somebody find that. So here I'm going to have you um, share with us how people can get in touch with you. But before you do that, just a little bit of information on how some how much someone can make. So we shared that the average investment is 151000 Tell me a little bit about what someone's ROI looks like on that.
2: Well, um This is an interesting question. We're regulated by the Federal Trade Commission and typically when I'm working with a client, we're not allowed to make earnings claims. But since this is an interview, I'll tell you what I look for. If the net profit margin is 15% or lower, I wouldn't do it. It's too low unless you're dealing with something that does millions of dollars in revenue. 80% of the franchises that I work with have a 20% net profit margin. That's pretty consistent and considered very good. The ones that are service-based, where they don't have retail location, some of them will have 35 to 40. In fact, there's even one in our inventory that has a 70% net profit margin. So um, the real factor is if you can market, you can can accelerate your timeline to break even, I would say it should be thought of as probably a three to five year plan. You ought to be making, you know, break even in twelve to twenty four months. And typically, when people come to me, Marie, they're looking to do a six figure income, and so I will only show them businesses that can get them back to their income level, and that's commensurate to their investment.
0: Okay. So, Stephen, how can people connect with you if they're interested in in learning more?
2: Um, Well, you know what? I'm honored that you would even ask that because I I didn't want this to sound like a sales pitch because what I do is a free service. Uh, My local number is 720-506-5096. And I have a website that's very educational. It's um, myfranchisespecialist.com.
0: myfranchisespecialist.com. Perfect. Well, you've been so good and giving us so much information. and I know it's going to be helpful to people out there who are thinking about this as an opportunity, whether it be for their next job or something on the side or their retirement gig. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Marie, for having me. It was really a pleasure speaking with you.
0: Yeah, and listeners, we'll be back in just a few minutes. We're going to continue kind of diving in a little bit deeper here um, on this topic, but we'll say goodbye to Stephen for now, and we'll be back in just a few minutes.
1: The business community's first choice in internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. is your business model robust enough in today's ever-changing business environment leaders are working to transform themselves and their business tune in to business reinvention with your host nancy lin for insights on emerging trends and business innovations to help you stay ahead of the game you'll learn from stories of inspiration innovation and forward thinking listen for business reinvention live every tuesday at 8 a.m pacific time 11 a.m eastern time on the voice america business channel From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Marie at strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant.
0: Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And we have been talking today with Stephen Hogan from FranNet, and he shared his website. If you've been listening, you're probably already there. MyFranchiseSpecialist.com. And just thinking about could franchising, becoming a franchisee, or maybe even becoming a or if you've got a small business and are thinking about that, he helps people do that too. Is it a good fit for you? And so I love Stephen's approach because it, it really pays attention to that. Is it a good fit for you? And he didn't share this on the call, but he shared with me when we spoke that about one in four people, or maybe even fewer than that, are good candidates he works with, you know, at least four people before one of them is a good candidate for moving forward with the franchise. And part of that, as he shared, is because a franchise is a very specific type of business, right? It, you buy a structure. And so if you're like me and you're not the type of person that's going to follow that structure, it's probably not worth your investment for the structure, There might be a different reason to to buy a business or something like that, but maybe not a franchise, because as he shared, and as we all can kind of imagine, the value of a franchise is typically from the structure that you get of how to run the business, how to make it work, how to do the marketing. All of those structured pieces that come with it make it an ideal opportunity for, as he said someone who's open to some risk although it's he's got opportunities that have varying risk levels and and franchises can offer varying risk levels but someone also who can execute and work the work the structure versus trying to innovate that structure um, so before you're going to go into a franchise just like any other career change right it's going to take some time to figure out what you're really looking for what your strengths are how it's going to fit with your your life is it the right move for you and you know i shared this kind of briefly when stephen was on the call but part of what i've seen not work for especially individuals who are unemployed is to move into this type of opportunity just like any opportunity without really investigating so I think the financial services people unfortunately were the worst offenders of recruiting people to their business and you know if someone ever says to you anybody can do this anybody can be successful at this that is your cue to turn and run that is just not true right that's not true with any type of job if I told you that anybody could be successful as a motivational speaker you know, yeah, maybe that is true in the in an esoteric kind of sense that anybody could learn to do that. But by the time they got good at it, they probably wouldn't have any audiences to watch them anymore, and they would have not been making any money, right? There is something about success that equals you having some natural talent, the motivation drive, or as Stephen called it, and I love it, conviction there's there's both of those yes some people are successful purely because they have that conviction and they they you know pull their way in but that that doesn't work for most people so if someone tells you that anybody can be successful doing x y or z i would be very hesitant about that there's skill sets involved there's talents involved that are all going to play into maybe not whether or not you're successful, but whether or not you enjoy that success, right? Are you going to be able to enjoy yourself and and therefore be successful long-term? That's going to take a little bit more than than just dedication, right? Dedication definitely being a a, a big part, but we've got to have the right skills. And Stephen talked about that a little bit also, that the sales piece, right? And I I talk to people all the time who say, well, I could never do sales. Well, I can't do sales. And I, you know, I think that when you hear yourself saying that, you really have to challenge that. Sales is done in a lot of different ways. Sales are made in a lot of different ways. There are a million different ways to be successful in sales. And so, you may not be good at a job where you have to go and make cold calls and like Stephen was talking about doing the sales, in-person sales calls and making presentations and all of those kinds of things may not be up your alley, but that doesn't mean that you wouldn't be good in an account manager role where you're really taking care of clients or you're educating people in in that way that, yes, you're making a sale. There's a lot of different ways that sales happens. And when we cut that out as a category of a job or cut out becoming a franchisee, because of that, we really eliminate some opportunities that maybe would be a good fit, especially for those people who love to help people, who love to talk to people, who love to educate. All of those people can make good salespeople if it's in the right kind of culture if it's in the right kind of organization that does sales the way it fits with your personality, right? And I remember working with someone who was a counselor and they came to me and they said, you know, it's kind of weird, but I actually like doing sales because of X, Y, or Z. And I said, well, actually, that doesn't surprise me that much, right? And when you're a good salesperson, if you're at the highest level of the sales process, you really are that trusted partner, trusted consultant. And, and that's a close second to being a counselor, a close on the same level, right? So how we think about sales might need to change. Another thing that Stephen talked about was this idea of getting to be the CEO of a franchise, right? And that may take a a longer time to get there or a higher level of investment up front, whichever way you go. But you could be over an an area, a few different stores, and really have the opportunity to develop and train people and, and be in that leadership role all on your own, right? And I like Stephen call it, you know, buying a job. Sure, go ahead, right? If this feels like a good way for you to use your skills and and honestly a good way to change how you think about earning money it could be a great way to buy your own job i think for a lot of people it's just that idea of changing how we think about money we think about money in terms of a paycheck we think about money in terms of you know a stability equals someone else giving me a paycheck every month or every two weeks. And this type of lifestyle requires you to think about that differently. Now, I personally would challenge that counting on someone else to give you a paycheck every two weeks or every month is stability, because they could come in tomorrow and tell you that your job is gone, and you would have no other options, that next day right you could apply for jobs maybe you've got a good network and you could move quickly that's the best case scenario and that's what I would consider stability if you are working as an employee it's not really that you have a job it's that you have all of the things in place that would help you get a new one tomorrow if yours was gone that's stability there but people who go into franchises or or into a business like mine, just see stability different, right? They a franchisee might look on at a PL for a franchise and be able to see, as, as Stephen was talking about, that there's this 20% to 40% net profit, and that's stability. Knowing that if I work the process and I get to 12 months from now, if I do all these things because there's a system, there's a proven market, right? A franchise isn't going to let you buy into an area that doesn't have a market. All of those things are behind you. Then that stability is being able to know that 12 months from now, I will be able to make my own money. And yes, the market might fluctuate and all of those things might happen just like someone who's employed could lose their job tomorrow but I have all of these things in place that help me feel stable in what I'm doing. And as Stephen said, if that stability in terms of a, a paycheck and someone else being in charge of that is how you work best, there's nothing wrong with that. And if you're thinking about franchise, you might think about if you could consider stability differently, if stability could look different for you then maybe that's something you could check into uh, i like the idea of thinking about all of you know the four things can you follow the system can you market or can you follow the system to market do you have the money for that a lot of that's the the money and can you spend money even if you're not making it yet because that's where marketing gets most people is that they don't want to spend money when they can't see its direct outcomes and that's, again, not necessarily how marketing works all the time and the sufficient capital fits right in with that. Do you have the sufficient capital to last you through until you're supposed to turn cash? And can you deal with that unknown? Can you can you change how stability looks in your head or or do you have some other other way to, to feel like you're stable um, you know may work for you if a spouse has that more formal JOB and, and you can be the one that's experimenting on the side or as, as Stephen talked about at the very end this isn't something you have to quit your job to be able to do there are options that that you can take advantage of even if you are working. So we're going to come back here in just a few minutes, go through the key things to think about if you're thinking about going out on your own and being a franchisee. So we'll be back in just a few minutes.
1: Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business.
2: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: You are tuned into The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to Marie at a strategic Now, back to The Career Confidant.
0: Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we've been talking about franchising. And what it might look like or how you might decide if becoming a franchisee would be a good fit for you. So Stephen Hogan was with us and he was from myfranchisespecialist.com, myfranchisespecialist.com. And again, we've been talking about his process and just the thought of there's really some exploration that comes before the horse here, right? The cart before the horse doesn't work. Um, (laughs) He was talking about horses that pull the cart and and being able to understand what our personality is before we jump into any kind of investment here. So we talked a little bit about the, the things that make you successful. We've talked about some of the things to watch out for, And part of, again, why I loved his process is because it did help you explore what might be a good fit for you, and really thinking about your risk tolerance, your ability to fit within some structures, all of those things. So I wanted to share some of the data with you around franchise ease and what they look like. So this is some national data. Uh, 28% of franchises are owned by women, 71 owned by men. So my guess would be that that women number has been growing and definitely more acceptable these days and, and hopefully more um, easily for women to get financing, I think that that is still a challenge, unfortunately, especially in the service-based businesses for women to get financing for those types of purchases, Um, so if you're out there, female, thinking about buying a franchise, be aware of that, your your franchise purchase and financing for part of that, Um, kind of historically some issues with women getting financing for a service-based business, and Median age of franchise owner is 45 to 55. Probably not that surprising, um, but if you're thinking, you know, that's for a young person, or maybe even that's for a retiree, that data would kind of speak against both of both of those things. It happens in those 45 to 55 year range, and then 12 percent are younger than 34. So go us younger than 34 business owners. But if you're out there and that young and thinking about it, all you got to have is the capital, right? More than half of them have a bachelor's degree or some advanced degree. So obviously not a requirement. Uh, Again, for some of you who might be out there that don't have that degree and, as Stephen said, have the opportunity to buy yourself that leadership position might be a fun way to do it. And what um, kind of fun, 12% of franchise owners are veterans. I'm sure he would love to help more veterans um, fit into that category. So Stephen talked a little bit about this. And uh, in terms of income, the average pre-tax income is 50 to 75, and 11% earn upwards of 150000 Obviously, that's going to depend on what type of franchise you buy into, all those things as you're looking at the, the financials for that, that franchise that you're purchasing. But to know that, you know, 11% end up in that um, six figure, multi six figure kind of range. Interesting to me that California and Texas have the largest number of franchises, probably just because they're the biggest states. (laughs) And um, Arkansas and Vermont having the least. So if you're in Arkansas and Vermont, there might be opportunity for you abounding there in your backyard. Average ownership of a franchise tenure, tenure, so how long someone owns a franchise, is typically between one to five years. So that's... Interesting to think that people are are selling them, maybe moving into a different kinds of franchise. Most of the people I know that in that in that area tend to become f- serial franchises, <laughs> serial franchisees. Is that the right word? Um, moving from one to the other, growing. And as I said, with my contact here who owns all the Dominoes, he is a, is more of that expanding, right? Continuing to to purchase other stores in the area. Um, Most popular industry sectors, so as Stephen was talking about, there's different industries that you can go into. Quick service, lodging, business related. Least popular being video security related and party related. So if you're thinking everybody who runs a franchise is a Mary Kay consultant, this would say probably not since that's in the least popular category. Um, interesting the number here quite different than what Stephen shared so it may have to deal with the type of franchises that he helps people choose but the national average for investment is $520,000 um, so again maybe working with a consultant helps to find some of those franchises that are a little bit lower on the investment realm so, last few minutes here, just before we close, thinking about what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. and um, this is coming from the Huffington Post. and just thinking about, and this is the eight eight <laughs> eight things entrepreneurial people do differently. So Stephen and I talked about some of these. Right, brave enough to commit to their dreams. I liked his word of conviction, right commitment, really believing that whatever it is you sign into is going to make it happen, whether that's a passion for donuts or a conviction for a basic service business that everybody needs, and I'm going to provide that basic service to my community and make a good living doing it. Which leads right into the second one, which is thinking of their customers more than themselves. So, entrepreneurs who are out there, you know, seeking the fame and all of those usually don't become as successful as those who can really think about how they can offer the best thing to their customers. They never stop learning, they never give up, right? They're always out there pushing, finding things. And that leads right into they, they don't mind failing. This one says they love failing. I don't know if anybody loves failing, I guess. But they know that it's a part of trying new things. They find and fill a need in the world. So again, that person who knows there's a service required for the community to work may not be sexy, it may be dumpsters, but I can fill that need and provide a great service. They take uh, old ideas and make them better, way better, so that can fit in for you as a franchisee or as a a business owner, an entrepreneur, as a franchisee, as Stephen was talking about. We just want to make sure that we're focused on execution first and then on innovation, which would probably not make me a successful uh, franchisee. Always something good to know about yourself. Above all, they act, right? Whether you're innovative and, and you're Creating something from scratch, or you're you're buying into a franchise. If you can, and you know, people say the self-directed, self-motivated thing all the time, but very few people really are. And and if you can be true with yourself, and and you really are that, then going into a franchise may be a great opportunity for you, whether you're unemployed or working. But knowing that you've got to be keeping another plate spinning for life to really be in control and and for you to be in control of your career direction. So next week, very exciting, we're going to have... Um, Paula Asanoff on talking about executive and board candidate bios. So if you're an executive or you're getting ready to, um, you know, apply to be on the board of directors of a profit or nonprofit organization, be a great opportunity to learn more from Paula right here. We'll be right here next week on The Career Confidant. And as always, I welcome your feedback, your questions at Marie M A R I E at astrategicadvantage.com. And we'll see you right back here next week on The Career Confidant.
1: Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.